voyages of the starship Therapize. It's continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Oh, wait, what? Captain? Buck? Sir. Buck, you've been asleep for... Just a few hours. Try two months and fourteen days. Wow, I guess I really needed the sleep. Needed the... You know, Bones has been covering your shifts and it's a nightmare. What happened to you? Well, you know, after the rousing success that was our vampire episode, I decided to relax with some musical theater. Musical... Wh- who are you? Yeah, you've been rubbing off on me. Anyway, after the emotional upheaval of Lin-Manuel Miranda's Encanto, I decided I needed a nap. And I did some deep breathing and Vulcan mindfulness meditation. And here we are. I- <clears throat> Would you like to talk about it? I mean, I guess. Best not to look a gift Spock in the mouth. Do they say that, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And I'm, I guess, really glad to be awake. Yeah, jeez. (laughs) Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Well, it's been a minute. Yeah, Happy New Year, friends at home. Yeah, Happy New Year. We're already two and a half months and some change into 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it. It's been a it's been a cold, dark winter in the Midwest of space. <laughs> you know that Midwestern region, just like due west of the neutral zone. <laughs> but in all seriousness, let's maybe address like the the vamp the vampiric elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. This is clearly not an episode about season two of Vampire Diaries. No, and I must say, friends at home. This was a very <laughs> Spock and Kirk moment in our last episode where where mm-hmm. Spock said, we are going to cover every season of The Vampire Diaries. And you may recall me saying, mm, I'm not so sure about that. And Spock was real fucking sure. Um, I was. Please, go on. <laughs> so, like, I'm still not ready to, like, let go that, like, we will indeed talk about the other seasons mm-hmm. of The Vampire Diaries. I still think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not anti-Vampire Diaries, obviously. No, no. Obviously not, but like you know, we were we were much younger. <laughs> we were so much younger then. We were so much younger back then. And while I don't think it's going to be like the focus of the episode today, mm-hmm. I think we'll probably do one that's more focused on it later. And then we'll see if like I can make my way through it without just like utterly collapsing into tears mm-hmm. 
And while that would be quite understandable, I don't think that would make for like scintillating listening. So mm-hmm. like, we'll, we'll see, we'll see if I can do it. But we took such a long time off because I had a, I had a major tragedy happen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, my beloved dog, Marinem got cancer very suddenly, mm-hmm. um, near the end of November. And we found out about it at the start of December and just like right before the holidays, right in the winter solstice, mm-hmm. she breathed her last breath. And I was not in a state to do anything other than just sort of walk around my home and cry at different parts of the apartment that she had once loved so much. Oh. And like, if right, like, and it sounds like an exaggeration. It's super not. That was just like what I did for, for several weeks. No, I, I did not think it was hyperbole. I assumed that was accurate to what had happened. And, you know, Marinim has gone to join the collective unconscious. And it's true. And so in a way, she, she is still in all those spots. Oh, that's really lovely. Mm-hmm. And also, frankly, quite similar to something that my own therapist reminded me of a few weeks ago. Uh, well, we are both trained in the skill <laughs> of internal family systems. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she was like, Larissa, just, she's there. She's still there. And I was like, you're right. You're so right. <laughs> just weeping. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important for therapists to have their own therapist. Oh, that is that is damn right. Um, but so we, we've been going through that over mm-hmm. here in the, the Midwest, west of the neutral zone. And then <laughs> Midwest part, of space. Of, <laughs> part of that process also was that like Marinim was, she was a, a dear friend to both of our cats mm-hmm. and like so beloved by our one cat, Katsu. Mm-hmm. And Katsu, I learned things after Marinim died. Mm-hmm. One of which is that Katsu, Cats can have panic attacks. Yeah. And when cats have panic attacks, they just like, they drool like there's no tomorrow. Which gave me such insight to one of my mother's cats. Who, as you might imagine, folks, especially if you've listened to, you know, the entire oeuvre (laughs) of the Starship (laughs) Therapies podcast, like it makes a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was like, he was drilling so much. And initially my partner and I were like, you know, maybe it's, maybe he's just working something through. Mm-hmm. And then we woke up at like two in the morning and my feet were drenched. Oh, flash forward to a trip to Medvet. <laughs> and $300 later. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's always going to be at least it's 200 always, if yes. you're going to the the emergency Absolutely. Vet. And like yeah. at that point, like, because we went through like all these different medical bills with Marinim. At that mm. point, I was like, what's $300? Fine, take it. I don't need money. Money is nothing. Money can't buy back people you love. Um, so I was like, please do take my money, run the test, make sure he's not dying or having some sort of like anaphylactic shock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, no, no, have you heard of cat panic attacks? And I was oh. like, Clearly not. We're we're here. Oh, that um, that reminds me of when um, when I first got my new palms. I mean, they're not new now. They're three years old. But Hella right. and Thor and mm-hmm. Thor had what looked like a fainting spell, so I took him to the emergency vet. That's right. And the vet diagnosed him as a drama queen. <laughs> 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 oh, that's real cute. Yeah. Because as, so- as soon as we got in there, 
He was just like, hi, everyone. My name's Thor. Who are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, hi. Are you a veterinarian? What a neat job. (laughs) Well, and absolutely, like, I don't know if Katsu was as exuberant because, like, he was very much still bereaved. Mm -hmm. But the other piece, too, because this was, like, the height of Omicron, we, of course, could not go into MedVet. Oh, sure. And so we just had to, like, get out of our car at 3 a.m. and and hand him off to the very nice vet tech and just, like, extend our sympathies to the couple in the truck to parking spaces down who were clearly having a very different experience in their car just shaking in tears um and i was like oh god we've just been there please don't let this happen to katsu but so like we hand him off Mm -hmm. and like apparently he was just on the world's best behavior he immediately stopped drooling when he went in there (laughs) he went into like i best show my best self mode because i need to leave (laughs) He's like, listen, I know what this is about. It's about the drooling. I'm going to stop the drooling. I'm going to stop the drooling. And so he didn't drool at all the entire time he was there. (laughs) I had to like really press the veterinarian who eventually called us to like take my $300 to do Mm -hmm. the blood work. Because she was like, he looks fine. And I was like, listen, with all due respect, it is 3.30 in the morning. (laughs) And I've just had a major loss. And I've just had a major loss. And like, I don't know how I was able to drive myself to MedVet. It's quite amazing. (laughs) So I do need you to run these tests just to be sure. (laughs) And then we got him home. And of course, like he started drilling again, but like not to the extent that he had before. And so we just gave him a lot of TLC. And we have also gotten a new puppy. And like, that's a whole experience. But like, Mm -hmm. needless to say, folks, it's been a real time. Yeah, because we hadn't intended to take quite no. such a long break. We we figured we would have some time off at the holidays, but... Yeah, we were like, let's gift ourselves two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every couple of weeks after the major death, you would text me and just be like, how are you doing? <laughs> and I mean, let's be, let's be frank, folks at home. Like, we talk mm-hmm. every day. These texts yes, would, just, would just be about, like, what are we thinking about podcasting? Yeah, and, like, it slowly progressed from me being, like, I can't even, maybe I'm just going to, like, quit everything and walk the earth. (laughs) Which, very much to your credit, you just, like, took it in stride. Because there were a few times where I was, like, I don't know if I could ever do anything again. Maybe I'm done doing anything. Yep, maybe maybe I'm going to be uh, Carradine in Kung Fu and just walk the earth. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and you who has, you've gone through grief many, many times. Mm-hmm. And so you were like, okay, I understand. Go drink some water. <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. You just let me know. Mm-hmm. And then it was probably what, like mid-January mm-hmm. that we were both like, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. We should think about podcasting again. Yeah. But it just, it didn't feel like we were in the same headspace We weren't in the same Vampire Diary headspace. No, no. I mean, as wonderful as as they are, the Salvatore brothers. Mm -hmm. No, they just weren't what we needed. It's not what we uh, needed during this time. And friends at home, if you were very much looking forward to additional Vampire Diary retrospectives, I want you to know that dream isn't dead. No, it's very much not dead. Like, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're working towards... If not a warmer tomorrow, <laughs> certainly a more upbeat tomorrow here on the podcast. Right. And so won't it be fun when it'll mm-hmm. be like a surprise? 
Oh, uh, that will be fun. But I just imagine them like bursting out of some like large cake. For sure. For sure. Coming out of a cake. And mm-hmm. friends at home, if you were like, oh, thank goodness, I am not interested in the vampire diaries. <laughs> that is your gift. Right. Everyone gets a, a gift. For you. Everyone gets a gift. We're like Oprah. You get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. <laughs> oh, yes. So a- anything else that feels like it needs to be spoken for right now? Um, no, I don't think so. Mostly because, like, obviously there are more words to say. Mm-hmm. But if I, like, if I say any more words... I'll just start weeping. Okay. Yeah. And we can, you know, you know, we can make space for that another time. We, we sure can. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that I'm like, no, let's not do this right now because we need to transition to Encanto. Because <laughs> like friends at home, if you've, if you've seen the, the, the newest musical brought to us by Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. and if any of you are into his like TikTok boom, tick, tick, boom, oh, whatever tick, that tick, is. Boom. I haven't watched it yet, but I hear it's amazing. Okay, well, for for me, I just like that that doesn't exist for me right now. So only Encanto exists for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the newest thing for me that he's done. Okay. It's not what you would call totally uplifting. This film, Ooh, buddy. So okay, a few thing, a few things. Yes. First of all, I was gonna have to watch it even if you didn't ask me to because. Fucking all of my clients. I I love you all, clients. But yes, we do. We love all. I of love you. my clients. But they sometimes there will yeah. be something in the zeitgeist that they will all want to talk about, mm-hmm. or it will have resonated with them. the The last example was Big Mouth. Everybody. Oh, that's right. Had the big reaction to Big Mouth, and so I had to watch Big Mouth, yeah. even though that was not something that was on my to do list. Um. This time it was Encanto. Literally, I had a client. At, she was like, you've seen it, right? And I was like, I haven't yet. She was like. <sighs> it's interesting because like what finally pushed me over the edge yeah. to watch this too was I had a client who had the exact same reaction. And we were like, oh, okay. I understand. And I was like, oh. Yeah, now. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Well, now I need to watch this. I think part of my resistance mm-hmm. was, you know, you and I have a very particular niche in the yes. psychology world, right? Yes, that's true. And I have seen it is just ubiquitous right now that every fucking mainstream mm-hmm. therapist is talking. used to have pictures of boats in their real life offices. <laughs> it is like, yeah. oh my God, it's transgenerational trauma shown through pop culture. And I'm like, uh... See exhibits A through Z. Like, I, yeah. and like, I'm so glad. Welcome. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Look at that compassionate part, just wanting to be like, hey, I'm here and I do welcome you. But also, all parts are welcome, including your initial part that was like, WTF. <laughs> like, wait, where were you when Black Panther came out? Like, or like, I don't know. Pick something. <laughs> There's so much transgenerational trauma. Right. Just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Pick a character. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> I don't... 
It's like, I think what bugs me is that it's presented as though, oh my yes. God, this has never been done before. And I, this mm. insightful therapist, have noticed this and I'm going to speak about it. And I've made a TikTok video about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're hitting on it exactly that like it has been sort of presented in the social media psychology sphere as like for the first time ever <laughs> a work of art is dealing with transgenerational trauma. Right. And I therapist creator of this post see it and hear it and feel it and I have a technique for you. Mm -hmm. Finally, I have some piece of media that I can bring into the therapy space where none existed before. <laughs> Literally none. It was just a barren wasteland <laughs> desert. <laughs> and then Lin-Manuel picked up his baton <laughs> and began to conduct. Yeah. Now, with all of that said, I want to say that I actually very much enjoyed this piece of media. Yes. I believe your direct quote initially was, I didn't cry as much as I did when I watched Soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to tell you. So um, I, I watched this and then I was like, I'm going to watch it again because I want to get a feel for it, which I did do. Wow, you did. You followed through. Look I did. You. And I, I rewatched okay. it last night. Um, and oh. my, my partner had come home sort of a quarter mm -hmm. of the way through. And he's sure. like, what's this about? Like, transgenerational trauma. And he was like, no, but like, what does Disney say it's about? It was like, transgenerational trauma. <laughs> he's like, oh, what's happening? And I just rewound to the We Are the Family Madrigal song so that he could yes. <laughs> get the sense. And as we were watching it, he's like, well, it's not as sad as Soul. <laughs> Actually, what he said was, it's not as sad as the one with the dead jazz musician. <laughs> <laughs> so fun fact about our producer our producer he enjoyed soul mm -hmm. but the reason he like has a hard time naming that is because he feels profoundly that the dead jazz musician ought to have stayed dead yeah and i when you and i talked about this last year sometime mm -hmm. i i had kind of a similar feeling yeah and like i very much have gone back and forth and like with with a major death and grieving very much still upon me. Sure. I actually am like, I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. because like death is going to come for all of us. That's like part of life. And mm -hmm. art is one of the fundamental ways that like we learn how to do death. Do you hear that mainstream therapists? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be like, hark through yonder window breaks. <laughs> I should make a video about soul. <laughs> <laughs> how did i miss it there's two pieces of media <laughs> sorry please Both go on disney amazing <laughs> <laughs> no i think that was pretty much it <laughs> yeah so friends at home if you have not yet engaged with this media um i invite you to do so yes i do invite you to do so and the uh, i mean you're gonna get spoilered so here's your spoiler alert yes so if you don't want to be spoiled, now would be the time to pause us and go watch right. Encanto and then come back. Yeah. 102 minutes of well-spent time. Yep. But if you are someone who's like, I just come here for you to tell me about media I don't want to watch. <laughs> um, 
Spock, how would you encapsulate Encanto? How would I encapsulate Encanto? Um, uh, it's a story about a Colombian family mm-hmm. set in Colombia with um, wonderfully catchy tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about... I'm trying to be like, how can I say what it's about without saying it? It's about transgenerational trauma. <laughs> No, but what's it about? <laughs> okay, I think I so, no, no, I'm laughing because like I have this part that has I have a part of me that really likes to like look at the shadow side of things. Yes, it, you do. And that part has it took a took a very sort of like shadowed perspective on Encanto throughout the time that I watched it. Mm-hmm. So I had other parts that were like what a, what a joyous, raucous journey through, like, one family's intergenerational attempt to embrace change. Mm-hmm. There's a nice summary that still uses generational but not transgenerational. <laughs> I have this, like, other part that loves to lean into the shadow that's like, well, this is a film about um, resource monopoly. Yeah. Oh, I, w- I was wondering... If if that socialist part of you was feeling very activated by it was the lavish home, the lavish home, <laughs> they're all very magical. The entire village sort of worships them mm-hmm. and like pays fealty, plays like honorifics, both mm-hmm. like in how they treat them and in terms of like they get like the best spot of land. They get like dibs and all kinds of good stuff. And the Mm -hmm. whole village is like, this family is so great. Like clearly the Madrigal family is like their version of like the Lord and lady Mm -hmm. um, or like the King and queen. Yeah. And their magic is starting to die out. Their resource monopoly is starting to go away. I'm going to pause you for a second. Yes. We buried the lead a little bit. So if you, if you haven't seen this, it's about a family that was gifted with magic. We find mm-hmm. out the magical gift was given uh, or was created due to mm-hmm. a traumatic loss. Yes. And everyone in the family is magical except for Abuela, who kind of created the magic. Yes. And yes. Um, uh, Mirabelle. Mirabelle. Mir- mm-hmm. Mirabelle has, quote unquote, no gifts. And, and then enter the, the magic is starting to fade. And why is the magic fading? Oh, and there's this uncle Bruno that we don't talk about. We don't talk about Bruno. No, 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 no. Bruno was a great character. I truly enjoyed Bruno. I thought the way that they did Bruno was delightful. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, there is this scene where it's revealed that like, so they, the family for the first, like what, maybe quarter of the film mm-hmm. talks about Bruno as if like Bruno just like abandoned the family and disappeared. And, and he's, a, he's maybe a little bit evil or, you know, right. did some wrongs. Mm-hmm. Did some wrongs. And what we find out is Bruno has been living in the walls of the magical house. Uh, that was so beautifully done from a psychological perspective. Please say more. Because the people who we are cut off from are never really gone. No. And I thought that was such a, you know, it seems like this was all intentional. So. I think so. So there, there it was that, mm-hmm. you know, I, a uh, little disclosure yeah. in, in my family of origin. I had, uh, my mother had an uncle 
who she never, I not that she never knew existed because like clearly I mm-hmm. found out about it. So like at some point we found out. Um, right. But you know, the, the Hungarian Jews were big on the, on the making breaks. And you know, the Polish Jews were very similar. <laughs> so maybe it's just, I mean, we could say it's the Jews. I think you go back in any family line, you're going to find yeah. these cutoffs. I think that's true. But I also think there's something that's really interesting about like the Eastern European experience back then, because mm-hmm. there was so much like oppression and turmoil if you weren't part of the, shall we say, Madrigal elite. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think it did. I think that kind of systemic pressure, I think, became like fodder for cut off and just like really if like things weren't working it was like well i have to separate for like the good of me because i need to like figure out a way to survive Mm -hmm. right well and and like deaths were more common orphans were far more common and so like an orphan so this is what happened in my family my Mm -hmm. dad's side of the family um my great-grandfather's from poland he was an orphan we don't really know very much about who his family was Mm -hmm. and then like obviously he had his own family and that's why i'm here Mm -hmm. But without his own parents, he didn't really have a sense of, like, what this meant to be a parent. Right. And I remember in grad school doing my genogram. Mm -hmm. Which is a therapy family tree, friends at home. Very. What a wonderful, quick definition. Well done, Captain. Um, I remember doing it and, like, trying to explain it. And just, like, sometimes my, whoever the marriage and the family professor was, Mm -hmm. like, their lies would just light up because they'd be like, look at this generational possibility (laughs) here. And I was like, I don't, this is making me feel uncomfy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, back to Bruno being in the walls, like, Mm -hmm. this great uncle of mine that was cut off from the family, I was aware from a fairly young age that it is possible to just get cut out. Yeah. And the threat of that is really upsetting. And so in that way, like my great uncle lived in the walls too. Like his presence was felt. Mm -hmm. Well, cause that's, and we've talked about this before, but this is such a wonderful time to name it again, Mm -hmm. that whenever you cut off a family member, it's never that simple. Mm-hmm. They're never just gone. Right. And I'm going to get up on my little therapy soapbox for just a second because <laughs> it feels like that's what Encanto is doing for you and I. Something I've noticed in the last smattering of months mm-hmm. that I feel like is happening to like the therapy, both the therapy corner and the therapy adjacent corner on social media. And I think I, well, I want to believe that like the intents here are good. Mm-hmm. But I'm noticing that there's far more conversation about, like, normalizing family cutoff. Right. Yeah, I've been seeing that, too. And here's the thing. I mean, sometimes cutoff needs to happen. Physical cutoff needs to happen. For safety. Safety Mm -hmm. reasons. Absolutely. But even in, in circumstances where it's a safety issue, whether it's physical or emotional, Mm -hmm. That family member is still in the walls. Correct. And you don't do anyone any good Mm -hmm. as a therapist if you're like, well, okay, now you've done like the physical cutoff. Now I'm going to get you, I don't know, some hammer, nails, and some plywood so you can just keep (laughs) 
fortifying <laughs> these barriers and just like keep pretending that Bruno isn't an active part mm-hmm. of your emotional, psychological family. Like, no. Right. And this is where, yeah, no, go ahead. No, it, that, uh, you know, put it to put it in internal family systems language, if listeners that y- mm-hmm. you've now been listening long enough that you're like, what's the IFS take? Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're waiting for it on bated breath. Come on, Larissa and Justine, the IFS hot take. Right. Well, because our family members become parts of us. They become mm-hmm. the voices in our head. And how, you know, they help us make decisions and whatever part of you is holding the, the memory of that person, we have to find a way to integrate it. Mm -hmm. Again, that doesn't mean you have to engage with that human if they're a dangerous human, but we can't just pretend that that part of us isn't present. Bruno's in the walls. <laughs> so the, the Bruno portrayal was, that was a chef's kiss and also just a, a heartbreak. Oh, yeah. No, it hit home. That part where, like, you see that, like, Bruno's been sitting at the table. And he's got his name on the plate. and he- On the plate. And, like, it's the wall that borders the dining room table. And he's just been sitting there that whole time. Right. Which... You know, we don't actually know how old Mirabelle is, but we have to imagine it's like, I don't know, probably five or six years. I would hope so. Though, like, I'm only laughing because, like, there were times when I was like, Mirabelle is 35. (laughs) Mirabelle is 15. (laughs) At this point, I'm like, I don't know. It was like the Billy Peltzer and Gremlins thing all over again. (laughs) It was. It's funny. That bothered my partner, Eli, too. He was like, she's got a grown up voice. She's clearly a child. Well, right, because the woman who voices her is, like, late 30s at least. Yeah, I mean, she's the lady from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, who's who's wonderful and Mm -hmm. delightful, but but not a child or a teen. No, I I felt like with the the body, the way her body looked, I was guessing she was, like, 11 or 12. Really? 11 or 12? That young? That's what I was figuring, yeah. How old did you think she was supposed to be? I thought she was like early twenties. <laughs> you thought Maribel <laughs> was in her early twenties. This is reminding me of a conversation I had <laughs> around this, where I was like, I don't know. I think Louise is a thirty-five-year-old. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like Lu- Louisa is like she she's got she's got a big body, she's like big very strong and very buff. But, you know, like, I think I think the reason I'm, like, projecting more, like, or seeing more mm-hmm. adulthood in them is because those are the kinds of, like, conversations I'm having with my clients. Sure. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going by, like, but. Oh, God. Yeah. Maybe she is that young. Yeah. I'm, I feel like it's just I, body size and really that's what I was going off of. Also, like, I didn't like to think Bruno could have been in the walls for 16 years. <laughs> okay, so I googled. Yeah. And she's 15 years old. Okay. So I was a little low, you were a little high. Yeah. Now we've we've met somewhere in the middle. It makes a bit more sense now. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. She's clearly not a young girl of 35. <laughs> <laughs> or an old woman of 11. <laughs> 
Um, oh, though that does remind me of this Voyager episode we recently watched, but we don't need to go down no. that road. Uh, so, but this, oh, that hurts my heart, though, because I, it seems like you get your gift when you're like five or six. Yeah. So, Bruner's so been, been in the living. Oh. Yeah. How did Bruno shower? I mean, based on how they drew Bruno, I was not getting the sense that he was doing a lot of bathing. <laughs> oh, that's such a hard message. And he was talking yeah, to the rats. He had like, like, very, like, grayish skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he left to protect her. That's right. Because he had that vision that he didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Let's... Let's hop transition time. Well, let's hop down the the Bruno road a little bit further. <laughs> I'm just imagining us as two rabbits now. Oh, well, I'm it, just hop. It'd be more appropriate if we were rats. Oh, that's true. Okay, so I've like rewritten that in my mind. <laughs> I've now recast us as two very adorable cartoon rats. Great. Um, I liked that all the rats he hung out with seemed to have yes. some great personalities. Um, Bruno shows us what happens to people in a family system who tell the truth. Ooh. Please continue to speak on this. Yeah. So when you're in a family system that has certain rules, roles, and boundaries, and those rules include pretending everything's fine. Sure. Or we are... We are the magical madrigals. We, our gifts are to enhance the lives of the people in the town, which has its own stuff. Right. They're bright and wonderful and beautiful and beloved Mm -hmm. gifts. Right. But here's Bruno. People say, hey, Bruno, what's going to happen to my goldfish? And Bruno very honestly says, your goldfish will die tomorrow. Right. People don't want to hear that. No, they sure don't. They want to hear your goldfish is going to be fine. Right. Freddy's going to live forever. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, and the guy who lost his mm-hmm. hair, like, he told me I was going to go bald, and then I did. Like, right. Well, whether... Whether Bruno told you that or not, it was going to happen. And also, <laughs> Bruno was just very astute at noticing what was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he he was like, hey, little little Mary Bell's gonna help everybody, mm-hmm. or doom everybody. But she's gonna be important. She's an important human. She is a catalyst for change. Mm-hmm. There it is. And and change is a very complicated process that has some real duality to it. Because of course it does, mm-hmm. and that duality means both destruction and creation. Mm-hmm. And Abuela. You know, like she she heard this and thought, well, change. Wait, did she hear it? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. So she heard it and she was like, change. And she focused on the destruction. Mm-hmm. Change is bad. Change is bad. Change is awful. And in her defense, that was that's that comes from her own like core traumatic memory. Oh, for sure. And we're going to circle back to that because that's a very important sure point. Yeah. We're planting a seed. <laughs> <laughs> to which we will return. Yes. 
Yeah, you know, this this doesn't just happen to the Bruno in this situation. It happens to all the Brunos in all the world who are the people in their family system who wind up feeling like they're crazy. Like, I've had so many clients mm-hmm. describe this. They're like, all I'm doing is naming what is happening. I'm naming literal facts I can see. But everyone in the family tells me I'm wrong or I'm not seeing what I'm seeing or what, you know, this happens in the real world. And it, it you're, you're being gaslit is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And anytime we're being gaslit, we feel, we feel like we don't have a grasp on reality. Right. It makes us question our own perceptions. Mm-hmm. But to offer maybe like a softer side of this. Whenever I say that, I always think about the softer side of Sears. <laughs> obviously, doesn't really apply here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had Sears in this uh, little town in Colombia. No, no. But, you know, my, my socialist part would like us to recall that most of the items in Sears were made by people who were from third world countries and had guns to their heads. Mm. So there's some Bruno unfortunate. <laughs> messaging <laughs> straight from me yeah you um, you take you do not care for my use of gaslighting well it's not that i don't care for your use of gaslighting i think it's accurate mm-hmm. but and this is something that like a colleague pointed out to me somewhat recently that it is both that and also if we're thinking about from a family systems perspective mm-hmm. these are family members who if they were to take in the truth at this time it would wreak complete havoc for their systems. Like they don't have the supports that would allow them to hear this about the goldfish. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Was this being shared with me during one of my like Zara slave ship moments? Sure was. (laughs) Google it folks. Cause we're not going to talk about it. Or just, or just like listen to a past episode. No, I Um, made you take that out. We never actually talked. You did make me change that. That's right. That's right. I was like, it's too dark. And even our producer was like, that's too dark. Larissa. (laughs) This is a family friendly podcast. For all the swears. Right. Or it's like, this is like a softer podcast. (laughs) But yeah, I thought I would offer that because like, yes, it absolutely. That behavior is gaslighting. Mm -hmm. And thinking about it, like I'm thinking about Abuela now. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know how to be with the bright side of change. She only knows how to be with the shadow. Right. And she is desperate to stave off the destruction Mm -hmm. that change brings. Does she do really awful, terrible things to Mirabelle? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Am I saying that, like, offering her this compassionate understanding somehow absolves her of her behavior and her decisions? Decidedly not. Mm -hmm. But I think it can help with understanding or understanding how we got here. And certainly, like, if we were doing therapy with Mirabelle, like, this would be one of those things that, like, over time, as it seemed appropriate, that I would want to share with her. Not because, again, I'm trying to exonerate, exonerate, rather, Mm -hmm. Abuela, but more... That I think it, it would be helpful for Mirabelle to understand why did she do that to me? How did how did I get here? That was so awful and painful. Was she really trying to harm me totally? And it's like, well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a perfect segue into mm-hmm. 
into what happened to Abuela, which, you know, she was driven from her homeland. Her, she had just given birth to triplets when they had to flee. Her, her husband was trying to protect them and he was murdered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mirabelle s- sees this story play out right. and realizes, oh, wow, Abuela, Abuela wasn't trying to squish us. Um, right. You know, she was trying to keep us safe. She was just holding too tight. Um, and that is so common in family systems, especially when there's been any kind of marginalization, being driven from homeland, being, you know, being displaced. Like, I, I remember... Right. Before my mother died, I did a genogram with her um, mm-hmm. because, you know, this was going to be one of my last chances to get this information. And, yeah. you know, she was like, well, my mother was always very focused on appearances. And, you know, you follow the genogram back and you see my, my bubby, Leah. She came over from Hungary. She... When, when they left the homeland, it was not safe to be Jews there. It was not safe to be Jews on the East Coast of America when they got there. And so, of course, that's, that's all about don't be noticed and you won't be gathered. Yes. Blend. 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 Mm-hmm. Have high status. Then they can't hurt you. Right. And it was interesting to reflect that back to my mom because it was not something she had ever considered. No. And she was like, oh, do you think that's why she was like that? Because, you know, my Bubby was was long dead. We couldn't. Right. You you couldn't go back and ask Bubby. (laughs) Literally. No. No. But she's like, do you think that's what it was? I was like, I think we can make a pretty fair assumption that that's a big part of what was going on for her. That she was like, fit in, blend. Right. Don't stand out. And it's that idea of like, yes, I know I'm causing you pain right now. Right. As your parent, but this pain is going to be far less than like what you risk Mm -hmm. if you don't do this painful thing I'm asking. Right. You don't do this painful thing I'm asking, like a worse pain could happen, a pain of like abduction or murder. Mm -hmm. Right. And you don't understand. And you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And of course, the flip side for a child like Mirabelle, or I suppose a teenager like Mirabelle, mm-hmm. is that like her her perspective is like, you don't really understand what you're doing to me, though. Right. You don't understand the pain that this is for me. Mm-hmm. Like day in and day out to stay in the nursery. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And never to get my own room to be like stuck in this infantilized state. Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone else from Mirabelle's perception. Mm-hmm is special have these gifts and i oh i love the gifts that her siblings have because they're such a chef's kiss example of classic family system shit they sure are the person that well, holds like, everything and, not just, and like classic family system shit but also like ri- rigid like somewhat dysfunctional family shit where yes. like everyone to be clear that's no- what i meant <laughs> Right. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify yeah. for anybody who was like, really, all families? Like, no, just a lot of them. Because um, it's all about rigid roles. Yeah. 
There's one strong one, mm-hmm. Louisa. There's one beautiful one. Who needs to be Isabella. perfect and... Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, beauty is about perfection. Ugh. Yeah, and the and the little boy got to talk to animals. Oh, he sure did. That's interesting. I I don't know how intentional this was, but it the the gifts were very gendered. Like the the mm. cousin gets to shapeshift. So what's the functionality of that really? It's more just fun. And the other cousin talks to animals again. What's the functionality? And, you know, the the girls, we've got strong, you know, beautiful, beautiful and uh, can hear a pin drop. Very useful. Well, and I wonder about, like, the shape-shifting, like, as, as a man in patriarchal society, mm-hmm. you, like, arguably, and obviously there are limitations to this, but, like, there is some real shape-shifter ability mm-hmm. if you pair that with money. Sure. If you're a man, though, mm-hmm. if you are a woman in a very like gender stereotypical patriarchal society, well, then you're going to need to do something else because shape shifting is not going to be the talent for mm-hmm. animals. I don't know. Maybe it's fun, but also like at this point, like at this time, and in their the village or city in which mm-hmm. they're living, that could have been useful to like from like an agrarian standpoint. Sure, that's fair. But I mean, I do see your point, though. But I, this. This theory may have no legs. It literally came to me right now. <laughs> I mean, it has, I think it has at least a, a nice a nice crawl to it. <laughs> but as far as being being the strong one, the one that holds everything, and the golden child, I mean, well, and Mirabelle's yes. a scapegoat, right? The classic scapegoat mm-hmm. who's just like a little a little weird, a little off, a little too aware, mm-hmm. and able then to call out like the parts of the system that aren't working mm-hmm. and the system doesn't like is, that right the system isn't going to like that but it's so good and so important mm-hmm. for the system yeah well and we see that right i mean especially with her sisters louise is like mm-hmm. i do carry too much but i just care so much about the family and i i'm worthless she sings an incredibly catchy tune people fucking love that song that's a great song it it's it certainly is. It like it's only diminished because like now it's like ubiquitous and everywhere. But it is. No, it's a great song mm-hmm. and it really it really hits a vein. Yeah, I liked it better than Isabella's song. Yeah, Isabella's song didn't didn't quite do it for me in part because like they don't her characterization didn't feel like fully formed enough. Excuse me for it to like ever really break out of mm-hmm. the privileges and benefits of being the golden child. Like, it felt like in the song they were getting too close to her being like, and Mirabelle, my lot is just as bad as yours. And I was like, no, no, that's, uh, did you have some hard times, Isabella? Sure. Mm-hmm. I can, I can absolutely see that. But like, to say that your lot is the same as the scapegoat lot, I feel like it lessens like what you both have gone through. Right. Yeah. It, it felt, it was more of a gut punch in Luisa's song. Because mm-hmm. she's talking about, like, you know, your sister will do this, your sister will do this. You know, like, Right. She's your classic oldest child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, Isabel, I think they were very much like, she's the golden child and that's really hard. Which it is. Absolutely. And also, it's, it is a more privileged position. 
It is. And so it allots you certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and I felt like they were able to thread that needle with Louisa mm-hmm. in a way that felt like did justice to kind of both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas it just didn't, it didn't quite do it for me. With you. Yeah. I, it felt almost like, like we ran out of time. We couldn't fully form her character. Which I'm always just like, please, you are working at Disney. There is so much money and, and energy just being poured <laughs> into these productions. Mm-hmm. Try a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because uh, what, what really bugged me about the Isabella character was how much she seemed to delight in like picking on Mirabelle. And in a more typical dysfunctional family system, that that golden child is, I mean, they're going to be wrapped up in their in their own life. It's not that they don't care about Mirabelle, but they're like, ugh, (laughs) right. uh, I'm busy. I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. I'm busy being golden. I'm not like I'm not going to go out of my way to be a jerk to you. Sure. Unless there's like enough sort of latent instability in the system or. We have the shadow of dear Bruno. Ah, oh, of course. So there's the fear of cutoff. There it is. And it's so, my great and uncle. So then, <laughs> right. And like, I don't think they actually developed this enough in the story, but like, this is where I would have, if they pulled me into consulate, I would have been like, well, this is what you we're can do. We're available, by the because, way. Because like, what'd you say? I said, we're available. We are, we are available. Way. Absolutely. Please go to our website, send us a memo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what they could have done is like played up that like, because there is this shadow of cutoff mm-hmm. for all the siblings, there's an awareness that like, if you make a wrong step with your gift, you're out, right? You're out of the family. Mm-hmm. And so with the anxiety that this could like one of like the, what like fallouts of this kind of anxiety is that like, everybody's like, Oh, I'm not, I don't feel confident and certain and stable in my role. Mm-hmm. So I need to be like, aggressively asserting it and who better to assert that on than the scapegoat sure well and i mean it's modeled that we beat up on the scapegoat absolutely i'm just you know oh yeah it feels like that ancient brain stuff where it's like you need to be part of the in group or you're part of the out group and if you're part of the out group you're gonna stuck in the woods right yeah you could just be like left out there yeah this is interesting where hmm I'm wondering mm. which direction we want to go from here. Because we've kind of explored the kids. Oh, here's the thing that bothered me. Tell me if this bothered you. Yes. Okay. So a uh, cousin who can hear a pin drop. Mm-hmm. How did she not hear Abuela doing her nightly prayers to her poor deceased Pedro and saying, the magic is dying? <laughs> That's a problem. That's what we would call a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> right, because like she fesses up that she she heard Bruno in the walls all those years, which right. circle back to why that's problematic. Um but but you know, when when Maribel is like, "Do you know something?" cousin says, "Well, I heard Luisa's eyes twitching and the rats were talking about it in the walls." Like, "Oh, also, I heard Abuela saying her nightly prayers to her husband about how the magic is dying. And that concerns me as a person who is magic. (laughs) Well, I I mean, and again, they don't develop this, but then I think there was an opportunity for a cousin who hears a pin drop Mm -hmm. to be the secret keeper. 
Ah. Uh, and that's often a role, like it can be like mm-hmm. a role and like one of like more like the, the sort of like the core family members. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually someone who's more like in the family, but a little bit kind of like one ring down, so to speak. So maybe like an aunt, an uncle, mm-hmm. a cousin in this case, mm-hmm. who knows a lot of things and sees a lot of things, but unlike Bruno, whose role is the problematic truth teller, Mm -hmm. their role is I know things and I help hold the weight that it is to carry a secret. Ah, okay. Because secrets are heavy. They're emotionally corrosive. They cause all kinds of problems. And so like, then you sort of like often systems need to like invite in a secret keeper to help manage that toxicity and that weight. And what better secret keeper than someone who can hear a chorus from a mile away? Right. And it's, I mean, that would also explain why like she is so, it'd be another facet of like how quiet she was Mm -hmm. and how it does slowly, as things are opening up in the family, Mm -hmm. as more flexibility comes to the Madrigals, like she does start to like feel more comfortable and safer naming things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I like that take. You know. I mm-hmm. I really wish they'd reached out to us sooner. We were here. <laughs> we were here and we were available for Disney related contract work. <laughs> uh, I mean, then my socialist part is like, are we? But you know, these are these are things for future. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can you can have that internal struggle. Um, no, I know you'd be like, yes, give me the money now. Be like, yes, I see your internal struggle. Do you see this check from the Disney <laughs> Corporation? That reminds me of that dream that I had several months ago where we were in some like movie production room mm-hmm. and it was, we were like going back and forth between who to sign with. And I was like, at one point in the dream, I was like, oh, we don't even know what our movie is. And you were like, shut up. It doesn't. <laughs> you were like, they're offering us money. Melissa. <laughs> Let me handle this. Yes. <laughs> that sounds so real. Right. Like I woke up and I was like, too true. Look, mm-hmm. we're getting paid for something. <laughs> we're never paid for anything. No. And if we are paid, it's like toppins. <laughs> toppins a bag. <laughs> we can go feed the birds. <laughs> please come to, to please <laughs> come talk to my agency. I'm offering you no money at all. I would love to talk to your agency. Um, but to your point, you know, we're, it's time, it's time to start thinking about where do we want to end this enchanted journey? Okay. What did you think or how did you feel Mm -hmm. about the ending? Because we, we were talking about soul earlier and I had felt like soul perhaps should have stayed in the soul realm. Yes. I had kind of similar feelings here where I was like, we found the magic of just being a family. Can't that be oh. enough? I could not agree more. Oh, friend. yay. And I'm so thrilled <laughs> that you feel the same. <laughs> I got to the end and I was like, so like, there were a couple things. Like, by the time we got midway through this journey, this mm-hmm. enchanted journey, I was like, oh my God, they're not going to like give Mirabelle any sort of like actual power. Right. And I was like, what is her journey going to be? And then near the end, I was like, oh, my God, she is going to be the foundation mm-hmm. upon which this new version of their house is built. Yeah. How amazing. What? There is no better gift than breaking the cycle of transgenerational trauma. 
No, but like, I'm not convinced that that's what happened. Mm. Because they keep their powers. Right. Because nothing actually changes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Abuela does have this like moment of understanding. Mirabelle does get like, oh my God, I get it. Mm-hmm. This is why you're so terrible to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, to be clear, friends at home, having that lens and understanding does not need to equal forgiveness or forgetness. No. no and like, it doesn't like, it can be the, be- it can be like the beginning of crafting now or re- like a, I guess like a, a new relationship that can result in forgiveness. Mm. But like, Mirabel doesn't like understanding Abuela doesn't mean that like Abuela is now going to be able to treat her differently. Mm-mm. It doesn't change like the the rules of their relationship, nor does it change the past. It's just like, oh, I have this greater understanding. And then what the ending does, to your point, the ending's like, yay, still magical. <laughs> and Mirabelle and still so doesn't we, have any power. And Mirabelle doesn't have any powers, but she has this big M on the door. And so I'm like, okay. But so also like, their family's just- name is Madrigal. <laughs> Right, exactly. So, like, she doesn't even really get that. She still doesn't have her own room. So, did she just go through this whole process to be the metaphorical sacrifice Mm. to maintain the power? Because families do that, too, all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, in typical late-stage Disney fashion... They spend like acts one and two being like, we're going somewhere, we promise. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of falls apart at the end because it does feel like a lot of like Disney properties. There's real anxiety about showing the shadow side of change mm-hmm. and having an ending that's really meaningful in the same way with soul. It was like, Oh, it'll be too painful if he just dies. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what death is, man. <laughs> death is sad and painful and awful. It can like, Oh shit. I'm going to like really try and keep it together. It can still be this. It can still be like the person's time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it can still be the end of their journey. Mm-hmm. And like that in and of itself can, I think really be like a wonderful transformative experience. Mm-hmm. But in order for that wonderful transformative experience to happen, they gots to die. Right. And I say that as someone who just lost one of the most important beings in their life to them recently, Mm -hmm. like, it was terrible, it was awful, I miss her every single day, Mm -hmm. but it was her time, it was, and it was so clear at the end that it was her time. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and like, this is an interesting full circle moment, we'll see if it fits. We had, like, we were very lucky. We were at, like, a very privileged financial position at this point. Mm -hmm. We had, like, dog veterinary hospice come. And they came and they were like, listen, she's ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're you're not, like, they were very, like, she was very sweet to that. She was like, it's okay if you're not ready. Oh. But I want you to know that, like, any medication I would be giving you, like, would be so that you could get ready. What a good veterinary hospice person. Right? I was like, oh, internally, I was like utterly breaking apart inside. But I also just kept being like, thank you. Thank you. This is so helpful. Mm -hmm. What like real concrete feedback. Right. Yes. Thank you. You're telling me you can do something, but it's going to be for me. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not pulling a Disney and trying to make me feel better (laughs) and saying that I can can still have the magic. You're saying like, 
no, you can have change. But the magic has to go now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And so, and so the magic went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And it was, and it was her time. And I wish that a story, because stories can help us learn how to do this. They can learn. Mm-hmm. They can help us learn how to say goodbye to our own magic, and you know, open the door to whatever comes next. Mm-hmm. I wish that a film like Encanto had had the courage to do that. Right. Because they, there's, there's this beautiful moment of, you know, everything is demolished and then the people in the town mm-hmm. come to offer help because they have been helped. Right. And, you know. Communal living could have been born. <laughs> no longer the master and slave, the serf and the lord. We could have come together in healing community. <laughs> Okay. Okay, okay Carl. <laughs> Thank you. Please continue. <laughs> right, but it, it's such a lovely moment because they're like, look, we don't have yeah. magic, but there's a lot of us and we want to help you. You helped us. And, you know, it seems like the people in the village, like, feel mm-hmm. very, like, warmly towards yeah. the Madrigals. And they build the new house and it could have, it would have been... To my mind, mm-hmm. more powerful if they if they put in the doorknob, they opened the door, and they just went inside. Not that magic was restored, and I think that the casita being alive is fucking adorable. Like I love it. It's real cute, mm-hmm. I, you know, and such a powerful symbol of like what we know about actual systems, which is that systems are alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ha- the house is alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah, I thought that was adorable. I don't, I didn't want the casita to die. No, but also it was, it was the casita's time. Mm -hmm. Right. We could have, we could have just ended accepting ourselves as being enough. Right. And really one of the, I guess like part of the meaning that I took from understanding what happened to Abuela and her husband is that like the magic literally came from the sacrifice, the pain of his death. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it would have been in some ways like really appropriate too for the magic to go because Abuela didn't need it anymore. Right. Like she didn't need that part of his sacrifice. She was ready to let him fully transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that would have been really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then I would have believed in this sh- beautiful shift in her and Mirabelle's experience, I'd be like, wow, everyone had some internal transformation. <laughs> they can build a new relationship. How profound. Mm-hmm. Right. Does Mirabelle even get her own room now? God, yeah. The film ended and I was like, where's her room? <laughs> and my partner was like, okay. <laughs> like, but it's important. <laughs> it is. Like all those sad montages of her in the nursery. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's- how how have we changed? Like right. each individual person has made mm-hmm. a shift, but yeah. how has the system shifted? Right. Yeah. And if the system hasn't shifted, then the work isn't done. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this just paving the way for Encanto dos? God, I hope not. <laughs> 
Oh, can we talk about that song about the two little caterpillars? I don't remember this. Oh, the one that's all in Spanish Dos with the butterflies. Do, 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 oh. Do. oh, God, it was so cute. I can't stand how cute it was. It was very cute. But it's all about so sad. It's all about the caterpillars, and then they're in the chrysalis, and then they become butterflies, and like there's butterfly imagery all over this film, which I loved. Yes, it was building to something, and then we got nothing. Right? Where was my grand transformation? <sighs> That's right. You deserved the grand transformation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still, I I think this. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think this was great for conversation. I'm glad. Oh, God, yes. I, as much as there's a part of me that's like, where you been? I am glad that this is a piece of media that is speaking to other therapists because it's very frustrating whenever we speak to professionals and they're like, bring pop culture into the therapy room. I know. Well, I've never. <laughs> and now we can be I just like, I just like using this worksheet. Right. But now we can be like, did you like Encanto? And they'll be like, yeah. They'll be like, yes, I talk about it all the time. The song about being strong. <laughs> and we'll be like, well, if you liked that, you'll love Killmonger. <laughs> Killmonger really was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that scene with him and the mask in the museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking back my family history. Boom. One murder at a time. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. No, but you know, but at the very least it showed how, like, change is messy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, I mean, the music was adorable. It was. I really enjoyed the music. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from someone who, like, as everyone who listened to this podcast knows, is not a huge fan. Yeah, I was I was theater. shocked that you liked something mm-hmm. that was a musical. I was too. <laughs> I was not. I was like approaching it from my usual standpoint of like, all right, let's put on our therapy boots <laughs> and wade in there for the people. <laughs> But it was great. And you know, the last time that I put on my therapy boots and waited in there for the people was Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that I also found to be quite delightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes putting on the therapy boots really, really pays off. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once I realized they were in Colombia, which I hadn't, the first time I watched it, I didn't realize it until they sang the song about being in Colombia. Uh, <laughs> they were like, here's for all the white people who just haven't gotten it yet. Aren't sure what country we're in? We'll tell you it starts with the It's C. Colombia. That's um, right. I remembered um, my dad had always wanted to go to Colombia. Um, he was a stamp collector Aww. and uh, right. he collected Colombian revenues. And he got to go um, for a stamp show. And my sister went with him. She's... Um, or at least was fluent in Spanish. And yeah. when they came back, I learned a, a Colombian phrase. Okay. Uh, give papaya. What does this mean? Yes. To give papaya is to let someone like get away with something. And if you let someone get away with something, then everyone should get away with it. So example being, oh. they were in line for something 
and they let some old woman in front of them or something. And then everyone started walking in front of them. And my sister was like, what the fuck is this? And they were like, you gave papaya. Right. This is really on you. <laughs> you did this. You d- if, if you didn't want us all going in front of you, you shouldn't have given papaya. <laughs> I really, I kind of like that. Yeah. That's pretty great. And I'm, obviously this was many, many years ago now, but I still, I think of it when, mm. when I like let someone in front of me and other people take advantage. I'm like, God damn it. I gave papaya. You know what? That should be our hashtag. Uh, yeah, that's going to be hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> Dos orquitos. I, I, I don't know any Spanish. I now know how to say two caterpillars. <laughs> I know how to count because of uh, early 1990 Sesame Street. Oh, that's really sweet. No, I took French. Yeah, no, me too. I. Yeah, but you at least you happened. went to Senegal. I. <laughs> you went to France though, right? I know it just it feels so like baby bougie. Which I guess I was a baby bougie. We're baby bougie, and you know what? That's okay too. Ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we? Shall we? Uh close it out yeah yeah wow what a what a great first conversation of 2022 i feel like we connected with each other and our friends Mm -hmm. and just so happy to be back i know um i talked about marinim without utterly bursting you did you you did so great thank you totally shocking what Um, what do we hope folks took away today um i don't there's so much that folks could take away, so I don't want to say that. But mm-hmm. I do, I suppose, really want to invite people who enjoyed Encanto. And if you, like us, were displeased by the ending, mm-hmm. fanfic it. Oh, there it is. You know, fanfic that ending. Write a new one. Sing a new one. Puppeteer a new one. Yeah, like th- um, Bruno did the, the mouse theater. That's right. He did the mouse theater. <laughs> Oh, he really did his best to take care of himself. He really did, mm-hmm. using the tools that were in front of him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and today we talked about some internal family systems. We talked a fuck ton about transgenerational trauma. We talked about like regular family system. Mm-hmm. We talked about some of the classic roles: the golden child, the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Bowen would be so he proud would be of us. so we, proud. We talked about genograms. We did. Monica, we really like any any right mm-hmm. like any listeners who are just like beginning their marriage and family therapy tutelage. This is an episode for you. Yeah, you just got like a MFT one hundred and one in <laughs> family systems. Listen to this and walk into Ann Ramage's class. She's not going to be impressed, but she'll be quietly pleased. <laughs> but what do you know about Jimmy's bedwetting? <laughs> I'll never forget, because in our class, she always talked about Tom. Tom. And Tom was a real person. <laughs> and at one point, this was like year and a half in, probably like the fourth class she'd done this to. She turned to him and she was like, I am sorry, Tom. <laughs> And Tom just like burst out laughing. I think he started crying so or laughing so hard he cried. 
It was truly great. So wherever you are, Tom, best of luck. I hope your bed wedding is going well. <laughs> this, this is all such an inside joke. Um, it totally but if is. you're a long-time the listener, <laughs> maybe you're in on it, too. I hope so. All right. All right. I'll take us home. Mm-hmm. Take us home here, sir. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. We would never let you live in the walls. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. Also, we now have a Patreon tip jar. So if you go to the Patreon tip jar, you can give us three of your hard-earned dollars just to say thank you. Um. We, d- we didn't mess with tears. We didn't mess with gifts. This is just. <laughs> <laughs> but we might someday because spoiler alert, friends, the captain would really love some tears. <laughs> and when she asked me, we had just found out about the cancer and I was, I was, I very saltily wrote back, who needs tears? <laughs> Why are tears important? And you were like, okay, <laughs> message received. <laughs> We we provide <laughs> valuable content. They provide us three dollars. I was like, okay. You were even offering to set up the tears, and that's what a messed up state I was in. <laughs> that I was like, no. Yeah, I was like, I'll just do it. You were like, no, don't. No one does it. <laughs> they will. There will be no tears ever. <laughs> you know. Death is hard, yeah, but that's where we are right now. We have a tip jar. That's you right. can tip us. Uh, just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life, continues to be available at all of your favorite booksellers. So if you haven't picked up your copy, um, get yourself a copy or two or three and um, gift them to your favorite and even your least favorite humans. And then share it on your social networks. And as always, friends, live, live long, long and, and prosper. Now, we're just going to clap and then we're going to start. Here we go. Three, two, oh. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> that'll, that'll be a good uh, little blooper. <laughs> little blooper outtake. Three, two, one.